This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. Best and brightest students, aficionados of the Civics Circus Maximus. Every once in a while, things congeal such that we are offered an opportunity to look at a very simple model and say, wow, this is all I need to know. You know my old saying that comes from my father? Like he'd learn something about someone and say, okay, James, that's all I need to know about that fellow. Okay? Every once in a while, things congeal such that we can step back, look at them a very in a very simple way, a very fundamental way, and say, okay, politics, this is all I need to know to tell me which side I ought be on. This is one of those days. Excelsior. Best and brightest, uh, and you certainly are. I am Jay Severin, and no one is contesting me for the title. So I think we're in the clear as to title. one 888 here on the Blaze Radio Network. As F4 said, sometimes we're presented with the opportunity whether we ask for it, whether we like it, to distill what are a really complex set of facts. But somehow they, they congeal, if that's the, the, the appropriate terminology, into a form that we can just step back and look at and say, oh, oh, okay, I understand this. It's like, uh, like astronomy, Right. I can look into the night sky, and there is so much there to see. But the only way I can help you is by pointing out the Big Dipper. You know, and I could sometimes find Archimedes' screw. No, wait, that's not in astronomy. (laughs) But but I can also find the uh, less well-endowed Little Dipper. And uh, Orion's belt. And sometimes Orion's trousers, where he's being chased by... No, wait, I don't think that's in astronomy either. In any case, I can't help you with astronomy, but sometimes we can look up and see the Big Dipper. This is one of those days. 
Thus, I offer you to open today's show and to guide what we will discuss therein. Politics. All you need to know in two parts. Part one. A new program in California, in the San Francisco area, it's called Project Advance Peace. Project Advance Peace. You can only imagine what horror derives from something called Project Advance Peace when the government is is running it. Okay, so I, I, I don't know whether to tell you the facts or just let your imagination run wild. Project Advance Peace is this. It hires convicted felons. So in most jobs, you, you cannot hope to acquire the job if you are a convicted felon. In this job, big surprise, you must be a convicted felon in order to qualify. Project Advance Peace hires convicted felons to, quote, identify and counsel troubled youth. So if I have this right, and I do, criminals, mostly career criminals, are paid, (laughs) are interviewed and hired and paid to identify other prospective career criminals. I thought that was called profiling. I, I, maybe I'm wrong about this, but I, I seem to recall that the notion of saying, I can tell you who's going to commit crimes. Isn't that the Tom Cruise movie? Isn't that Minority Report? Pun intended. It, you know, hire me. I'll tell you which of these inner city youth are about to commit felonies. Well, that's Minority Report. I know that movie. I love that movie. Uh, But now it's real. And we're hiring convicted felons to identify and counsel. Troubled youth, that is to say, that the people in their communities they believe are likely to become career criminals, which, again, in other circles is known by other names, mostly uh, racist profiling. So they are paid to racially profile and counsel troubled youth and, ready, and pay them, and by this I mean now the troubled youth, pay the troubled youth cash money not to commit crimes. We pay them not to commit crimes. If they do not commit crimes, they are given money. They are given vacations. 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 My family has had a vacation in five years. And see, I've missed the boat. Uh, Again, pun intended. What I needed to do was make it clear that my career track was criminal. 
and just wait to be identified and counseled. And then we would have been sent on vacation. So the troubled youth are given money and vacations, and they can earn up to, ready, $1,000 per month for not being felons. That's right. They are paid $1,000 a month not to be savages. They are paid money not to harm other people, not to break our laws. They are paid not to harm us. And again, in other circles, this sort of thing has a name already. It's not known as Project Advance Peace. It's known as protection money. It's known as blackmail. It's known in legal circles as extortion. Uh, Note well, if this program were put out for approval, and this this is the moral of the story, if there is one. If this program were put out for approval, and we had we asked 1,000 self-identified liberals slash Democrats, and we asked 1,000 self-ID'd Republicans, and 1,000 self-ID'd independents, okay? And we asked them, what do you think of this? Do you think you'd know in advance what the outcome would be? Of course you would. So do I. And that's what makes Project Advance Peace one of those exceptional, crystalline moments at which we can actually step back and examine what captures and defines and separates your basic Democrat from your basic patriot. That's that's part one. Part two is, as you have surmised, next. The Jay Severin Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. This is the Jay Severin Show on the Blaze Radio Network. With partners, and you reach us via 1 888 No Twitter again today. I keep trying. I will do it. Uh, I'm hopeful for tomorrow. Yeah, I, I appreciate I said that yesterday, and I meant it yesterday. I mean it today. <clears throat> I'm hopeful of a more hopeful outcome. Um, one triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. 
Let's hear from you. I believe we are confronted today with three. Oh, did I originally say two? Two are philosophical, more or less. The third, which I've just added, I realized as I looked at my notes, we actually have three illustrations, distillations of our current circumstance that we can look at and say, all right, this tells me all I need to know about where I stand and why and why I stand where I do. And number one was this new government program called Project Advanced Peace, where we hire only convicted felons to identify, i.e. profile, and counsel, i.e. payoff, troubled youth, i.e. prospective felons, uh, in their communities and give them vacations and money up to $1,000 a month not to harm us, which is otherwise known as extortion. Now, the breakdown on who would support and oppose such a thing will instantly gives you a snapshot of who's a Republican and who's a Democrat, okay? And it ought to. It does. Number two, this one's much shorter, just as pungent, just as significant. Number two, we learned late last night, but for this morning's news cycle, that the percentage of people, the percentage of all people who met with Hillary Clinton when she was Secretary of State. Now, as you know, she has what Rush calls the Clinton Crime Family Foundation. And it's beautiful. I wish I had thought of it first. So the, the, the Crime Family Foundation, the Clinton Crime Fa- Family Foundation, nobody gives to that that does not give, you know, at least $100,000. I mean, you know, this is, we're talking about big money because we're, we're talking about hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars that they take from foreign governments Can you imagine the Secretary of State of the United States of America taking a check for $5 million from a nation, a country that has business before the United States of America? The United States Congress is about to decide whether that country will receive foreign aid or more foreign aid or no foreign aid, and they write a check for $5 million to the Secretary of State, and then all of a sudden they're meeting with her? And all of a sudden, they get more foreign aid. This is the most profound corruption of the American government ever proven, ever illustrated in the history of the American government. Now, in the ordinary scheme of things, in the, just the ordinary scheme of things, what percentage, as a coincidence, what percentage of people, if any, that met with Hillary Clinton, that got a meeting with her when she was Secretary of State. Many of them private interests with private interests, if you know what I mean. In the general scheme of things, what percentage of people who met with the United States Secretary of State would you imagine had previously donated huge 
dollars to her private foundation. In the general scheme of things, you know, later if you if it showed up and you said, "Do you know that? Do you know that out of every one hundred people that Hillary Clinton to whom Hillary Clinton granted a meeting, do you know that? Do you know that five or six of them had given to her foundation? Because that would be a lot when you really think about it. The fact that not that they would want to give so much, but the fact that the foundation would, with a straight face, take the money. You know, the notion that no meeting, no meeting, no meeting, someone writes a check for $5 million, all of a sudden, oh, okay, the secretary will meet with you now. And imagine if we said five or six out of 100 wrote a huge check and all of a sudden got a meeting. I think that most Americans would want to look into that because in the general scheme of things, that's kind of a big coincidental number. I mean, by virtue of which 10% would be a really, really big number and place us beyond the realm of coincidence. Don't you think? If 10% of the people who met with the Secretary of State first gave huge donations to her private foundation in order to get that meeting, wouldn't you say that that would place this beyond the realm of -of run-of-the-mill coincidence? Okay, we learned late last night, officially, from government documents, that the Clintons clawed and scraped and scratched and fought not to have released We learned last night that the percentage of people who couldn't get meetings with Hillary Clinton when she was Secretary of State, but then gave a huge cash donation to her foundation, and then, voila, all of a sudden they could get a meeting with the United States Secretary of State. The percentage isn't five or six. The percentage isn't ten. It isn't 15. It isn't 25. It isn't 35. It isn't 50. It's 54%. 54% of all people with their own private acts to grind who wanted a meeting with the Secretary of State of the United States of America, couldn't get that meeting, and they ought not get that meeting. Who gets a private meeting with the Secretary of State? I'll tell you who. The heads of nations. But heads of corporations? Lobbyists? Lawyers for corporations? The percentage of people who could not get meetings, made contributions, and then got meetings is 54%. 54% of all people, according to official government logs, 54% of all people who met with the Secretary of State of the United States of America, 54% gave huge cash to her foundation in order to get that meeting. This is... In a non-twerking world, no one would need anyone to 
explain to them where on a scale on the magnetometer of 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 human governmental earthquakes where on the Richter scale this would fall this is the big one this is an earthquake of you know if 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 a video of Hillary Clinton handing over the nuclear codes to the to Chinese is a 10 this is a 9.3 it is the most shocking thing we've ever learned about the Clintons seven on the Blaze Radio Network. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. With partners, one 888 That's the partnership hotline. Only partners of the show have that number. Learn it, love it, live it. one 888 I'm thinking of starting uh, a blog, and I'm having... I mean, this sort of thing I trouble myself with when I, you know, like, don't trouble trouble till troubles you. I don't know anything about that. I trouble trouble just to have trouble. And, <clears throat> you give, you know, I have much bigger things to worry about right now, believe me. But one of the things I, I, that, that sometimes overcomes the BBC in my ear in the middle of the night is <clears throat> I worry about what will I call my blog. And I don't know whether, you know, I don't want to say it's about politics because, it's really about media. And I don't want to say it's about media because it's really about politics. And I have to figure out a way, you know, does Civic Circus Maximus do that? You know, I don't know, you know, because do what, 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 what you know, Jay Severin does a show. Jay Severin and his partners do a show. Do we do, a, is this a political show? I mean, I used to think it much more political than it is now. Maybe that's because what, used to be defined as politics is very different than it is now. I mean, I don't think this is a political show. I think this is a culture show. And so when I say to you, three things have occurred to me in the last 24 hours that that place in stark relief the model of something we can behold and say, okay, this this is why I could never be a Democrat, or this is why I could never be a Republican or a conservative. Number one is, this is where we are as a society. Is this political or is this cultural? Because our political, our politics at any given moment, hence our government, is really who we are as human beings. It's who we are as people. If I were Margaret Mead among the Samoans, the first thing I'd want to check out is their politics. How they organize them, what the hierarchy is, what they concern themselves with, what are their greatest and most compelling issues. This tells me about a people on another planet, which, since we're talking about California in case number one, it qualifies. So in California, in San Francisco area, we have a project advance piece where we pay young thugs not to kill us. Now, there's no... (laughs) 
This is not an insurance policy. They will still kill us, these young thugs. But if this thing is, quote-unquote, successful, fewer of them will kill us. Or the same number will, but they'll be better traveled and, and have newer shoes because we're paying, we're giving them vacations and cash not to kill us. We're paying extortion money. I think that tells you about who we are as earthlings right now, as American earthlings. The fact that, number two, people who could not and ought not, ought not have had a meeting with the United States Secretary of State unless they were the Secretary of State or Prime Minister, Head of State, of their country, and damned few others, should ever have a meeting or think they could with our Secretary of State, got one if they wrote a check to the Clintons. And as it turns out, all of the people with whom she met during her tenure as Secretary of State, 54% of them gave big cash prize to the Clintons. That is as shocking and venal and corrupt and troubling as any that that is that is a cancer on a republic. That is Uncle Sam, if I were a cartoonist, the cartoon is Uncle Sam is sitting for those of us who still remember the caricature of Uncle Sam. That's Uncle Sam sitting on the trolley, on the gurney, in the doctor's office, looking very forlorn and holding his hat sort of at low mast. And the doctor in the white coat with the reflector on his head and everything is looking at x-rays and saying, frankly, Sam, we've been friends a long time. So I'll be candid with you. Get your affairs in order. You don't have long. This is what paying to meet with the Secretary of State, that the majority of people, the majority of people who met with our Secretary of State paid to do so. Uncle Sam, you don't have long. Don't buy any unripened fruit. Now, I said there were two of these things. I now realize to bring us up to the immediate, compelling present, I realize there are three. This may not indicate to you as quickly, as as compellingly, as numbers one and two above do, the state that we're in. This may require more thought, a little more detective brain work on our parts, but here it is. Number three, Donald Trump is and was from moment one of his campaign associated most closely, most strongly, most vociferously, most effectively, with which issue? With which issue? Ding, ding, ding. That's right. Immigration. Immigration. Build a wall. 
deport the criminal criminalians who are here. I mean, that's a fact. That's not an opinion. That's a fact. I, I, I am not saying we ought to do that, though, coincidentally, I do believe we ought to do that. But that's not my, my point is not my opinion. My point is narrowly the fact that Donald Trump, from moment one of his campaign, has been more closely associated than with any other issue. His, his identity issue from moment one was the wall and immigration, criminal immigration, criminalians, deportation. Now that's, as I say, that's, that's a stone-cold fact right there. Facts speak for themselves, so I needn't speak to this one further. For Trump, you have to bear in mind that immigration is what abortion is to other candidates. There has not been as immediately and effectively as polarizing an issue or a value or a position in American politics since abortion as immigration. Immigration is the new abortion. I'm not saying abortion went away. I'm not saying the two are equivalent other than politically. Just in terms of raw politics, the math of this is that no other issue has produced instant converts to someone's campaign since abortion, as immigration has. No issue has can be said to be one of those usually once-in-a-lifetime Instant political winners or losers, instant political polarizers, instant political catalyst, instant political dynamite. Abortion was, abortion thus remains for the people who care about it. The news media has grown, you know, fatigued with it, but that doesn't make it any less important to the people who care about it. They still care about it. Uh, many, 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 many millions of people. For them, this is still a single issue uh, politics. Your how you stand on abortion, and if you do not hold their position on abortion, they cannot, will not, even remotely consider voting for you. Period. The new abortion is immigration, right. and. Donald Trump, from moment one, out of luck, out of sincerity, maybe some of both. He latched on to immigration. He made it his. And from moment one, in the gestation period of the Trump campaign, he has been more and most strongly identified with the immigration issue than any other issue there is. That's a fact. Now, what do you, if that's a fact, and it is, what do you suppose happens to candidates who are virtually, who owe virtually their entire political identity 
if it could be said, to one key issue. And then they soften or change, flip-flop on that issue. What happens to those candidates? The answer is, generally speaking, what happens to those candidates is what, in fairness, ought to happen to anybody in life or anybody in politics who says to you, vote for me and I will do this because I know this is something about which you deeply care. I do too. Here's what I'll do. And it launches your campaign. Then all of a sudden one day, and we're still, now we're being uh, theoretical. Suppose such a candidate existed. And suppose such a candidate did abandon that position. What happens to that candidate? We'll talk about it and give him a name. Trump! Trump! Next. Jay Severin. The Blaze Radio Network. Jay, what are you trying to tell me? Here's what I'm trying to tell you, because we are going to continue. I don't know for how long. That's up to you. Via 1-888-900-3393. This begs a lot of questions. Ain't none of them unimportant as to who's going to be the next president. Uh, Okay. Last night on my dear friend, and I say that not to name drop just because he is a dear friend of... 25, really more than that, years, and someone with whom I spoke yesterday uh, and, we, and, and often, Sean Hannity. Um, we're, we're different people. We have different kinds of shows. Uh, we certainly have different kinds of tax returns. Um, he is just everything he appears to be. He's the greatest guy in the world. And... And we uh, exchange views about this as we do about various things often. In any case, I'm not what I'm saying. Right, that that ends that. That ends the Sean reference. I'm not speaking now about what Sean thinks or what he said or anything else. I just thought I would include that so I had a chance to compliment him. But on Sean's show last night, Donald Trump now famously, nay infamously said, as perhaps you know, I am willing to soften my stance. I am willing to soften my stance. I'm open to softening my stance on immigration. This is, that's a fact, that's a quote. Here's my opinion. That is like saying, to a convention of Southern Baptists who make up the fiercest pro-life wing of the Southern Baptist uh, social movement. This is like appearing before them and saying, I am 
open to softening my position on life. I am open to softening my position on abortion. The only difference is the Southern Baptists would probably physically run you out of the place. I don't think you would probably get to say another word, and I don't blame them because opinions are opinions, but if you know you're going to say something which is antithetical to the deepest, most personal, religious values of a person, you have to expect that they're not going to sit there, you know, mute. And when, and this has been coming for the last few days. I had hinted at it here on our show, but we hadn't talked about it. And finally last night on Sean Hannity's show, and he's on tonight again. Trump is on again tonight. Now, it may have been taped all at once and cut into two shows. Uh, I don't know about that. I'll find out. But Trump said he's open and open to softening his position on abortion. And, my friends, I have to tell you, for a lot of people, this is they're what are called single-issue voters. If Trump abandons this issue, they abandon him, maybe. Seven on the Blaze Radio Network. Best and brightest, I challenge you. I am Jay Severin. You are the best and brightest. You are thus worthy of challenge, right? I challenge you here and now to consider, ideally to respond to the three, forget the other two, the three models of where we are as Americans as of today. I'm going to eliminate the first two for now, though you're always free to speak to them. But let's concentrate on the third, shall we? The third is, in terms of this campaign, the first. And it is that Donald Trump's biggest issue, not his only issue, not the only reason people who are voting for him are voting for him, but the issue with which he launched his campaign is most closely associated, which is the linchpin of the cluster of issues which are responsible for all the support, whatever it is, all the support he has. He is about, it sounds to me, like he's about to tinker with that, i.e. flip-flop. If he does, what do you think will happen? I think I know Excelsior. Welcome back, best and brightest. I am Jay Severin. You are partners, friends, radio family. We are together, the Blaze Radio Network, 1-888-900-3393. 1-888-900-3393. I challenge you to have a view on this. 
not necessarily before the fact, because it's no longer before the fact. It's during the fact. During the fact. And the fact is this. No issue was as responsible, was as significant in launching the campaign and defining the candidate of Donald Trump as the issue of immigration. Now, that is a fact. You, we, uh, facts are very stubborn things. If you wish to contest that fact, uh, I think it's like howling at the moon, but it would still be fun. one 3393 It seems to me the utility of that fact is, is not that it's open for debate, because facts are not open for debate. They are on this show, but they're not in real life open for debate. A fact is a fact is a fact. The fact is that the new abortion as the hottest political question in American politics is immigration. And one politician new to politics, he would say, is Donald Trump, and no politician has ever connected himself with the immigration issue as closely, as vociferously, as Donald Trump. That's, that's it. <coughs> Pardon me very much. Sorry. That's his abortion. I keep saying that because I want you to have that impression. Those of us who lived through the heyday years. Again, I'm not suggesting it's settled or it's any less important to the people to whom it's always been the most important thing in politics, which is the abortion issue. But as will always happen in American politics, something rises to compete with and alongside an issue which you never thought would find an equal. And I'm sure for the people to whom, for whom, abortion is the number one issue, nothing can compete, will ever compete with that. But in reality, there is something that competes with it. It's abortion. I'm sorry, it's immigration. It's immigration. And Donald Trump launched his campaign on it and defined his campaign and defined himself with it. And there are lots of single-issue vote, what are called in America, single-issue voters, and a single-issue voter is exactly what it says. It's someone that, that in accordance with my father's, uh, not that he invented it, I'm just you know echoing as he did of the politics of his time, he would say to me, he'd fold the newspaper over and say, James, and he'd read something to me, and he'd say, James, that is <clears throat> all about that fellow I need to know. And, and from which I developed something called the inferential issue. Now, it may sound dopey. I think it sounds pretty smat, but it's mine. And Guru Jay coined it uh, the same year uh, Guru Jay launched his fifth grade uh, school-wide civics club and newspaper. David, did I ever mention that before on the air? I don't think so. Me neither, so I'm glad I take this opportunity to mention it. Yeah, I, I, I started my primary school 
newspaper and civics club. Uh, and even then, I, I had an invention, and it was a rhetorical political invention, and it was called the inferential issue. I haven't mentioned it in a long time. Maybe because I, maybe I'm not as proud of it as I used to be. I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> But I'm still pretty proud of it, actually, because it is what it says it is. What's an inferential issue? It's an issue from which we draw much broader inference about a political candidate. So if you tell me, have you heard about Joe Blow? And I say, no. And you say, well, you know, Joe Blow is for no borders. He's, he's a pure libertarian. He believes in no borders. Anywhere in the world, people should be able to come and go and live and live off of the citizens of any country where they want to go. A borderless world. And, see, I regard that as an automatically an inferential issue. I infer from that that this person is effing nuts. And I would, I don't need to know anything else about, I don't care anything about anything else this person says, does, or cares about any other issue. They, they could be for making my birthday a national holiday, and I wouldn't care. Because I have inferred all I need to know from the fact that they're for a borderless world. Well, for the people who thusly define it, that's what abortion is. And now... In today's America, that's what immigration is. It's the ultimate inferential issue. And if you tell people that you're going to build a wall, make Mexico pay for it, and you repeat it for days and weeks and months and months, if you make it a linchpin of your campaign, if you make it the building block of your identity and your campaign, and you successfully attract tens of millions of voters with it, and you are one of 17, 17 primary candidates for your party's nomination for president of the United States, and you beat all of them, and the reason almost inarguably you beat them is because you identified and grasped to your breast and owned, owned the immigration issue. And that's exactly what Donald Trump did. And I, again, don't think it's much arguable that what Donald Trump did in slaying the 16 other dragons and every success he enjoys up to this point derives in small or large measure from the fact that he's going to build the wall, make Mexico pay for it, and he's going to identify and take into custody somewhere between 11 and 20 million criminalians and deport them. Those are the facts of what Donald Trump has pledged he will do. What would happen if such a candidate started to soften on that Q&A next? This is Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network.
This is Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. And these are my partners. I'm delighted to say we have partners on the line, and I'm quickly going to go to them. I'm going to finish my prepared initial remarks by saying, okay, I, we're about to find out if anybody argues that Donald Trump chose this as his touchstone, linchpin, foundational issue that identifies him and his campaign, that enabled him to beat 16 other Republicans and enjoy the success he's had so far because being for uh, immigration strongly, enforcement, means that you also claim the law and order and a cluster of other issues. That's why it's an inferential issue. It's why it's so key, one way or the other, whichever side you're on. I don't think that's arguable. We're about to find out. Our partners may have a different view. But what's important for you to know before we enter into this debate uh, two-way is is this. Donald Trump, in my opinion, is therefore, therefore meaning based on what I've just said, Donald Trump is playing with dynamite. He is playing Russian roulette with, with worse odds. This is political suicide, I believe. If he flip-flops, and that includes a substantial softening of his position or changing his position about uh, uh, crimmigration. And last night on Sean's show, Trump said he's prepared to soften his position on crimmigration. And, and the final thing I want to throw in as my argument, my observation is, Did you notice this? No one else. I haven't seen this anywhere else in the media. Donald Trump was heckled last night by Trump supporters. For the first time in the Donald Trump campaign, Donald Trump was heckled, jeered, not cheered, jeered, heckled by supporters last night. In Sean's audience, people were yelling, no, no, and build the wall. Because when he said, I'm prepared to soften, rethink my stance on illegal aliens, people were saying, no, build the wall. And he tried to treat it as though it was people cheering. They weren't. Donald Trump was heckled by core Donald Trump supporters last night for the first time ever. Um, And that may be a small sample size, but I believe a profoundly significant one. I think if Donald Trump flip-flops or is seen to alter his position in any substantial way on immigration, I think his core abandons him. He loses in the biggest landslide ever. Eric from Texas, welcome. Hi, Jay. Um, Hey, Eric. I I think that the new handlers kind of uh, have a good idea with um, I think they're steering him in a better direction, helping him be more focused and stop screwing up on Twitter every night. But I think you're right about this, that it's a bad move to even, you know, hint that he's softening on, on immigration, which is the reason everybody's rallied behind him. But uh, I also think that I wonder how much damage the Blaze Network does in sort of uh, I, I guess Glenn Beck is a never-Trumper, I guess, and that's why, like, Pat and Stu take that position. 
uh, I get, I hear less of it from you, but I still hear a lot of criticism that I wish was going towards the other party. You know, I, I, I call them as I see them, my mate. And I, you know, I, I'll be voting for Donald Trump, but I know I'm in the business of, you know, telling you what I think. I'm an opinion monger and uh, or purveyor may, might be a nicer word for my children, uh, a purveyor of opinion. But I can only give you that. And you know what? I criticize members of my own family as they do me. That doesn't mean I don't love them and won't vote for them. It just means that if you're in the business of, you know, of opinion, you have to conjure and deliver it. So I'm I'm just being candid. Understood. I just kind of wish sometimes that there was uh, equal time and effort devoted to your opinions about the other party. Because Are you kidding me? How about all of the rest of the media other than talk radio and Fox television? What do you mean? I mean that all of the all American media, news media and opinion media and cultural media are all against Trump. Every late night comedian, you really want a barometer of American politics, you know, at any given moment. Who are the late night comedians making fun of? Who's a punchline? You know, no, who's, I'm sorry. Who's... I'm, I didn't make myself clear. I was when I listen to the blaze, I'm, you know, with conservatives and I'm wanting to hear. Hillary slammed for what she is and what she wants to do and less about Trump's faults. We all know Trump is. I, I got you. I, I look, I'm trying to do that too, but you know, you, you, you always hoit or, or is that cartoon, which I loved, uh, showed walruses and, and one said to the other, you walrus hurt the one you love. <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, and, and it's, it's largely true. I mean, other than saying, I'm going to give him my precious franchise. I'm going to give him my vote. And almost no one I know, that, you know, professionally, you know, it, doesn't, it doesn't really matter. But, I mean, you know, it's not as if I've got a big support network uh, personally, you know, in terms of being for Trump. But that's the other, the other end of this. But, look, all I can do, Eric, other than thank you for the – and I mean it. Thank you for the constructive criticism – Thank you for the call. Thank you for the contribution. I really do take it as constructive criticism, by the way. I really, really do, and I thank you for it. But I'm, I'm here to offer you my opinion and uh, and my analyses, and I, I hope they're worthwhile. Other than saying I'm going to vote for the guy, uh, not because I'm for Donald so much, uh, but because I've always had a bumper sticker. I've spent my life in politics. I've always had a bumper sticker, and the bumper sticker says no Hillary or no Democrat, and that's it. So I'll do what I need to do to do my small part to fulfill that. Frank from Pennsylvania, and Frank will be interrupted, but uh, we can continue after the break if you are willing. All right. Veritas, Jay. Uh, Veritas. Um, where... where where do we send flowers for um, poor Ann Coulter? Is it, is it Bellevue, the quiet room in Bellevue? Because you better explain to people what Bellevue is. Bellevue is a, a famous mental hospital in New York, and since she's from there, I assume that's where she's spending her day today. I, uh, that or they've got her uh, ball gagged in a closet at the campaign headquarters because 
She is the most. Well, I tell you the vocal. second. If that's not where she is, if she's ball gagged in a closet, I don't know if that's where. But I can tell you the second best place to look. She's uh, she was the most vocal, single issue Trump supporter from the beginning, and it was all about immigration. And I right. just does. All right, so Walmart, she's consistent. So unlike Trump, yes, Anne yeah, has been consistent. Trump. So what of of what does your criticism of well, my friend and she does, is my friend Anne consist? Does does Hallmark make a card for a, a conservative author who's thrown away the most literate portion of her audience? Over, I don't know. That, yeah. That's that, you must. You will admit, I'm sure, that that is your assessment. That's your opinion. Has she? Mustn't you first argue that she has done so? All right, Frank. Think about that. If you wish, we're up against the satellite break, which sounds important. It just means come back in a minute. Severin, the Blaze Radio Network. Jay Severin Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Missed the show so far? Here's everything you need to know uh, for the daily update. Last night, Donald Trump was on Sean Hannity's show, and he got booed. He got catcalled, jeered by his own supporters. And when he made reference, as he did a couple of times, to softening his position on abortion... People started yelling, no, no, or build the wall, the wall. And when Donald Trump gets jeered by his own supporters, it tells you something. Uh, Here's one thing it tells you. According to today's Wall Street Journal, and I realize there are reservations you ought to have based on that uh, prelude. Based on the Wall Street Journal. Okay, you know, no, I'm not going to base my world on the Wall Street Journal. Fine, nor am I. But neither ought they be ignored in terms of their ability to capture and express an opinion uh, as, as to center, center-right-leaning voters. And the Journal says today, Trump's only path to electoral college victory is to sweep all battleground states. And by now, you know those, you know, Florida, Ohio, Wisconsin, Indiana, North Carolina, Colorado, Virginia. uh, uh, I could go on. Trump's only path to electoral college viability is to sweep the battleground states. And in order to make Trump's victory impossible, all Clinton needs to do is to win one, is to deprive Trump of victory in one of those states. And today's Real Clear Politics report, which I would commend to you, well, what Real Clear Politics does, as many of us know, is go out and take the top probably 10 most respected, whatever that means, polls, 
and takes uh, an average of them. You know, averages things out. It's a, it's a trend, but it's a, it's an instant trend. Uh, the Real Clear Politics report today says that Donald Trump is trailing, though though the race is tightening in some battleground states. Tightening. Donald Trump is trailing in every battleground state. Is it too late? No, it's absolutely not too late. However, having spent my life in this business, do I see the signs, do I see the pieces in place right now such that I can say to you, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. This has the pieces in place such that I can see a Trump victory or, most importantly, a Clinton defeat. I can't say that to you today. Welcome back, Frank, from Pennsylvania. Thank you for your patience. No problem. Ann Calder most famously said that she doesn't care on the on the subjects, two subjects of abortion and immigration, that she doesn't care if they perform abortions in the White House so long as they build the wall. So I stand with my contention that she's pushed away a lot of her conservative base that was her customers as a conservative author. Yeah, that may well be that may that may well be. I mean, that's a good point. I didn't I admit to you, uh, I didn't know that Anne had said that. Uh, And and if, 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 if in fact she has, I think that the most reasonable conclusion to draw from that is what you've just said. If Anne said that, she likely has alienated uh, a, a, a bunch of her of her core by by thus saying. Uh, but I I do I do completely sympathize with her, and sympathize here means really empathize. I'm with her. That is to say, on the matter of immigration, I think it is the defining issue, a political issue of our generation and of our republic. Quite possibly, but I think she really. She, I don't. I have to say, she irks. All right, look. If your thesis is Anne has gone off the deep end, then you've made your case. I think she has. I think she has. Uh, Did you see the uh, article about the Monmouth pollster that was waiting the 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 polls? Uh, Because you had some really interesting things to say about the polls, and and Monmouth was kind of. one of those that was. Not I, I did. Real I did not. I did not. I did not see the article about the Monmouth poll. No. T- okay. Tell me. It, tell us in brief I, what it contends. It, that the the man that was doing the Monmouth polls was waiting his uh, his uh, samples by party. Uh, something more exclusive than you're supposed to do, and I didn't know because you're, well, you're, no, you you're have guy to. that knows everybody polls, does. So. No, no, every everybody does, Frank. What they're uh, what everybody's trying to do is create a uh, research model based on who's actually going to turn out and vote. And that's made up largely of who has actually vo- of, of eligible voters, who has actually turned out and voted. Uh, uh, blacks, whites, browns, polka dots, north, east, south, west, young, old, rich, poor, college educated, not all of this. So, so. You, you 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 can either weight that perfectly to the percentage of voters who actually are alive, you know, who exist, 
who are in those right. categories. Or you can say, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to weight it based on who actually votes. Now, this has traditionally called uh, forth great howls from the African-American community, uh, especially like Jesse Jackson and his ilk, because they say, how dare you include uh, in your samples, you know, only X percent of black voters. You're, you're, you're including, you're basing your samples on a presumption of a 5% black turnout, but we're 12% of the population. And the response to that is, by any honest pollster, is you, you, you may be 112% of the population, but you turn out at 5%. <laughs> so, you know, so what, what a... What you a know, go ahead. You wouldn't think there's anything untowards in any of, in any of that then. Well, not based on what I know, but then again, I'm ignorant of the article. I need to read it in order to give you an honest answer. But if the thesis of the criticism is, you know, he's he's weighting it differently than the actual demographic numbers demonstrate. Well, of course he is, because eligible black voters turn out in a fairly minuscule proportion to their actual number in the population uh, old old white people turn out in maximus proportion to their that that's why you know you wonder why is such an emphasis placed on going after the 55 plus vote and and, and it's because they vote they actually vote right yeah so if you All overweight right, okay. if you overweight older voters Someone could say, well, look what you're doing. You're trying to make this look better for Republicans because you're overweighting older voters who are likely going to be a little more conservative. Well, that, that that's that's it may be true that that's their philosophy, but you can't re- resist the math. And the math is older white voters are the largest per capita turnout of any vote there is. Um, um, African-Americans being the lowest. Uh, and a quick second, a close second, uh, voters under 30 for low turnout. Is your Twitter back up? No, not yet. I'm going to try again no, right no. after the show. Sorry. Uh, I, could, I could send the article otherwise. Okay. Do, hey, well, do, day, and I'll man. get it, I hope, as soon as tonight. Frank, thank you very much. I greatly appreciate it. Frank is a great contributor to the show. And if I've not named Frank, um, I wish to knight Frank, here and now, as Sir Frank of Pennsylvania, a uh, Marquise. Uh, Mac from Massachusetts. Jay, my Boston brother and, and fellow protagonist to Johornless everywhere. Mac. So, so if, if you may permit me or indulge me to put on a um, Reynolds Wrap chapeau right now, I just had this <laughs> chilling thought come over me. Um, because somebody, one of the talking heads in the last week or so made the comment, if Donald Trump is attempting to throw the election, I would advise him to not change a thing. And, and, and it's almost like with this stunt he pulled last night, it struck me. Is that right? That no, are you being, are you being sardonic? No, 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 I'm, mean, de- I'm dead it? serious. I'm dead serious. It's sometime in the last couple of weeks, some prominent person whose name, I, I just cannot remember the person's name. Um, made that comment. I'm uh, closely paraphrasing him, but it just struck me last night. Is it almost as if Donald Trump is playing both Lucy and Charlie Brown 
at the same time yeah, and yeah. yanking the football. Well said. Well said. And, and I mean, it, so you're aware you're aware of his statements that he's he's prepared to soften on immigration. Yes. And, and 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 I'm thinking like, what other objective would he have for just dumping the election if if for, for not these moves? In fact, did you see Donnie Deutsch? Would, this is probably within the last month making the the comment that Donald um, said that he was doing this to improve his brand. And he didn't think that he would ever do very well. Um, Although I regard Donnie Deutsch as I'm willing to accept the consensus that he's an advertising uh, seer. Uh, He's a political idiot. Uh, But in this case, if that's what he said, then that does offer us an explanation. Uh, Mark, I have to I have to run. Hold if you like. We have to break. But when we come back. I will answer. I think there are two possible reasons why Trump is doing this. I think saving his brand, so to speak, cultivating his brand in anticipation of a loss is one of those answers. There is another one, which I think is even more insidious. Straight ahead. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. On the Blaze Radio Network. Partner Mark from Massachusetts remains with us. Mark, I I think I can give you three reasons why Trump may be prepared to flip-flop on immigration. Do you have more Mm -hmm. to say before I speak to that? Uh, uh, No, no, please go ahead. And again, feel feel free to interrupt anytime, okay? Or interject. Okay, number one. You've named number one, post-loser branding. That This, under theory number one, Trump accepts that he's going to lose and is already positioning to maximize and burnish his brand such that he comes out of this ahead. First thing he does is close on, a, I'll tell you, first thing he does is close on a book deal, you know, that'll give him $25 million more you know, in, 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 in advance. Second thing is he will, of course, uh, receive, maybe accept a network deal, which will give him $100 million, you know, to do another, what was it called? The Prentice or whatever. The Apprentice. Okay. So that's number, number one, post-loser branding. Number two, he has become convinced, persuaded, of the two-for-one voter coupon. It's my my nickname for it. And that is, his new staff has told him that you are going to lose a lot of voters by touching immigration, by so-called moderating your view, i.e. flip-flopping on immigration. You're going to lose a lot of voters, Donald. But for every one you lose, you're going to gain two. Uh, I don't believe that's I don't believe that's true uh, because I don't believe that Donald Trump can as successfully as some people think all of a sudden, you know, shed his skin and become attractive, 
uh, electorally to uh, moderate soccer moms. But that's what this is based on, the two-for-one yeah, He's like coupon. political Ipecac, right? You know, throwing up his worth <laughs> and being violently ill. Well done. Mark this tape. This is Hall of Shame stuff. Uh, and number three, and I'm going to break this here with you and give you appropriate credit for having uh, partnered in it, and that is the number three, which really I think is the number one reason why Trump may be about to flip-flop on immigration, is that he has been sold the number two notion above, the two-for-one voter coupon, i.e., Donald, if you moderate, you'll lose core, but you'll gain lacrosse moms, and you'll end up way ahead. I think that it must be considered that he has been sold that notion by his new staff, especially Kellyanne, and I'm sorry, Kellyanne, Kellyanne Conway, who is, along with others, profoundly vested, profoundly vested in the existing organization and personnel of the Republican National Committee. Every dollar Kellyanne Conway has earned, it it would appear to me, in the last 25 years, comes about with the, you know, implicit, if not explicit, cooperation. I know this because I know what it was like to work with them. I know what it was like when they were angry at me and they worked against me. And they told candidates, you don't get a nickel from us if you use Severin. So I know what it's like to be in that doghouse. I know what it's like to be in the sunshine with them. Well, if you're vested in the current RNC, if you believe that Reince Priebus and Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell and all those rhinos are still going to be around, then you know what you are? Secret agent, man. You tell Trump, do this. On the Blaze Radio Network.